listening to Spurs Cast, episode 472. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me on episode 472 is Project Spurs' own Tom Petrini. You can follow him on Twitter at RealTomPetrini. On this latest Spurs Cast episode, Tom and I will review the Spurs' past four games where they went three and one. We will discuss the return of Tony Parker in detail and what's going to happen to DeJounte Murray's minutes. Uh, then we'll give, give a quick blurb on uh, Kawhi Leonard's progress, how Coach Pop says that he's, he's going to be coming back pretty shortly here. Uh, we'll discuss whether or not uh, LaMarcus Aldridge should be an all-star d- d- based on 21 games of the season so far. And then we'll, of course, answer your Twitter questions that, t- that you sent to us using the hashtag SpursCast. So please enjoy episode 472 with Tom Petrini. And now... Uh, coming in via Skype is Project Spurs' own Tom Petrini. You can follow him on Twitter, at RealTomPetrini. Tom, how are you doing this evening? I'm all right. How are you, Paul? I'm doing very well. So, Tom, we're going to go to get into this. Uh, cause we, we got quite a few, um, just a few topics, but then we have a bunch of questions from the Twitter um, fans who, who follow us on the, on the Spurs cast. And then we're going to go ahead and preview the Spurs' upcoming four games. So, Tom, uh, let's just go through the Spurs' last four games since the last time I spoke with Colin last week. Um you know, we they went three and one. The team I actually projected that we both Colin and I both predicted they go three and one. Um, I kind of had hit the hit them all right there because I, I had a loss in New Orleans. He had a loss in Charlotte, so they they get bounced by New Orleans by 17 points. That game was weird because the Spurs were up by 15 points really early. Then they just you know they just they just fell apart completely for the next three quarters. Uh, then they go on uh, at Charlotte and win uh, by 20 points. Then they get a close win against Dallas um, by seven in San Antonio, which you kind of felt like they were going to win that game. It was more like a it had a comfortable lead, but it wasn't like anything where they got separation. And then against Memphis, uh, it was actually pretty close um, on on a, a Wednesday night. But then the Spurs did win by nine overall. So just what were your takeaways? Uh, anything come to mind in those first four games? Or those last four games, should I say, for San Antonio? Well. Uh, with the Pelicans, I think it was pretty clear that they just they just couldn't compete down low with that that two headed monster. Um, it was it was tough for them to get boards. They got out rebounded. They got killed in the paint in that game, um, and it was tough to watch for stretches, honestly. Um, but you know that'll happen when you've got Pau Gasol checking one of Boogie Cousins or Anthony Davis. Um, is tough. Um, that that'll happen. And then the other three games, I think, were against teams that the Spurs should beat um, pretty handily, pretty regularly. Uh, they took care of business in Charlotte, but um, you know they kind of they they let a wounded Grizzlies team hang around. They let the Mavericks, who have been god awful this year, hang around in that game. Um, and those are two teams where, you know, there's some playoff history. They always play the Spurs tough. But, um, you know, you would like to see a more dominant performance in those games. And, of course, they're playing without Kawhi Leonard. But, um, you know, I, I think it kind of speaks to where this team is at now. I think um, what you have them on pace to win 55 games this year at the rate they're going, 14-7, and seven, six, two-thirds of their games, really good. Um you know, and and that's I think where they're at uh, based on their performances in the past few games. Now, going back to that, that New Orleans game, you brought up a really good point there. 
Um, and that was kind of a question some people had, you know, going into the season. I wasn't one of those people. I, I kind of felt like they didn't need, like, big guys, basically, like your, your, your traditional big guys, because the league is shifting more towards small ball. You see the Spurs playing it this year with Rudy Gay and Kyle Anderson basically playing the four most minutes um, off the bench. But since the Pelicans are that rare team who San Antonio is definitely going to see three more times this year because they're in the same division, and they could possibly see down the road of the playoffs because it looks like New Orleans probably will make the playoffs if everyone stays healthy there. Do you think that could be a concern even with Kawhi that outside of Powell and LaMarcus, all they have is Laverne right now and Matt Costello if they want to call him up from the, from the G League uh, in, the, in the event that Laudridge or Powell gets into foul trouble? I think, um, you know, if it comes to that, it comes to that. Joffrey Laverne only played 15 minutes in that game. And um, I, think, I think against a team that big, that talented down low, you need your biggest, best defensive center. Um, and Pau Gasol is not that. Um, and, you know, you can... Spurs tried to go small for stretches of this game. Didn't work great. Um, it, it really was, you know... I, I don't know anyone that can match up down low with that team. It's one of the most, you know, formidable front courts in in recent memory in the league. But you know, you've got to beat them by hitting outside shots and locking down everyone else, locking down one of those guys. Yeah, you lock down one of those guys. Live with you know the other one and and the supporting cast. That should be you know a, a solid game plan, but. Davis had 29, Cousins had 24. They combined for 26 rebounds, seven assists. That's not going to work. Yeah, and I think that just having Kawhi there, you, he puts more pressure on their end of the Pelicans to have to play defense when you have him and LaMarcus together. Um, maybe LaMarcus doesn't get as much foul trouble. See, so, yeah, I, I think both of us feel that if it were to come down to a playoff series, they'd they kind of be okay as far as their overall team strength. Uh, moving on to the next topic, um, the Spurs saw the return of Tony Parker. It's been two games now. Parker made his return pretty quickly. You know, he, he was expected not to come back to about January and, you know, going down to May 3rd and against that series against the Rockets. And he's and then now he's back um, in two games. He's averaging 16 minutes a game. He's scoring eight points a game, uh, four and a half assists, uh, less than one turnover per game. Now, the, the consequence of Parker coming back is that you've seen uh, DeJounte Murray lose his minutes. He, in these last two games that Parker's come back, Murray's only played five minutes. They've both been in the fourth quarter to start the, start the fourth quarter. And Parker did say after that game, uh, you know, his first game, that he, he, Pop's going to have him only playing 15 minutes these first few games, but then he's going to get back to about 24 minutes once, once he gets into his groove, gets his, gets his leg on, legs under him. So, so my question to you is, uh, and we're going to get this question a little bit later, and we, we'll kind of re- reemphasize back to this point, is uh, what do you think is going to happen with Murray here? Yeah, um, Murray is unfortunate. Early in the season, um, you know, obviously he, he came out really hot and, um, you know, kind of fizzled out, uh, lost his spot in the starting rotation to Patty Mills. Um, and once that happened, it became pretty clear that when Tony Parker did come back, um, Murray would be behind him on the death chart and and Patty Mills, um, because, you know, you're not going to demote Patty from starting point guard to, to third. Uh, and I think it's smart the way Pop is using him now, uh, getting him minutes, using him as a defender uh, to start the fourth quarter and kind of jumpstart fast breaks. Um, it's, it's good to, it's a good time for him 
to be in the game, I think. Um, and I think it's good for Tony Parker to start the games because we've seen, um, you know, very crisp offense. Not just what he's doing, scoring the ball, assisting, but just just running the Spurs offense as we're accustomed to seeing it. Um, I, I think Tony does a good job of that. And DeJounte is a good burst of energy off the bench. But, yeah, his, his minutes are going to go uh, pretty considerably down. He might get um, – now that, now that Patty Mills is getting – is going to be settling into his role as the sixth man. Um, I think we're going to see uh, on nights that Parker gets off, we're going to see DeJounte start those games probably Um, because he's shown he can do that. Um, But, you know, he's, he's going to be seeing his time as the hall of famer. And I think rightfully so. Um, I, I was honestly skeptical. Um, I was, I was shocked that Tony came back this quickly. It's a really remarkable recovery when you think about it um, to, to be suffering that kind of injury in May and already back playing and at a high level with the burst that we're accustomed to seeing from Tony Parker. Um, it's remarkable. And, you know, I was, I was a little worried. I said, you know, he wasn't the same player that he had been last year before this injury and it was hard to picture him coming back stronger than he was last year um but you know he he looks like he has that burst he he came out he blew past dennis smith jr i think in that Mm -hmm. first game back yeah and i said you know crossed him over took him left wrong-footed layup in past the rookie and i was like okay he's back like he's 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 fine. He he's ready to go. Yeah, and two things you, you spoke about there was uh, how you said he has control of the offense. Um, you know, he's just it's just more calm right now. Uh, Lamarcus in that forty-one point game against uh, Memphis, he kind of credited Parker to kind of getting getting him into a groove early. Uh, and you can already just tell there's so much more pick and roll action now that now that Parker's back with Powell and Lamarcus. Uh, he easily just knows how to. He doesn't. You're not to rely on Danny Green to get you pick and rolls or Kyle Anderson. Um, and I know it's a very small sample size, but in 32 minutes on the floor, the Spurs are scoring 123.9 points per 100 possessions with Parker, compared to their usual 105 points per, per 100 possessions when when he's not when he wasn't on the floor. Uh, so it's obviously small data. It's gonna it's gonna go down a little bit, but it does show you know like you can mention the the data backs up what what we're seeing on the court there. Um, and you know just like you, I feel the same about Murray, where I think that he's kind of be, he's gonna have a very small role once, especially once Parker gets his legs under him, where he's only going to play the nights that Tony's out or Patty's out, and, and it's going to be hard for him to crack um, a rotation spot. I think the guy that, that we still got to watch is Bryn Forbes. I think there's some minutes there that maybe Murray could get some minutes at the two. Because one thing Murray does have going for him is his, is his defensive rating. Uh, when he's on the floor right yeah. now, he, they have a 95.9 points per 100 possessions defensive rating. When he's off the floor, they're, they're back at 105.1. So, and, and you can tell, like, like the skills there, the, uh, the, the, the potentials there. And, you know, it's funny because uh, you remember you and I, when I had you on last time, we were kind of, like, talking to, you know, is he ever going to get his spot back kind of thing, Parker? And then, uh, right, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It wasn't, it wasn't right. just you and I. It was, like, myself, Jeff McDonald, Michael Wright. So a lot of the beat guys at the Spurs games, we, we you know, after the, that game against Toronto, we were, like, all, like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Murray's arrived. Like, it's Tony may not get his spot back. And then, like, you know, yeah, after but he that. He had, like, 70 rebounds in, in that one game, and I was, like, wow, like, this no. is it's over like we, we were all like that no it's 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, and then it's funny how like now, like once he got benched, we you could just and you could just tell his confidence is shaking a little bit. He doesn't have like that swagger that he had, um, where he was kind of like it looked like his chest was out, like you know he was ready to guard people. And now it's like, okay, pops, put him in the game. I got to go do stuff. And so, you know, maybe he gets yeah. back. We don't know. He's still a young kid. He has a lot of potential. The Spurs luckily have him on on a long term deal because he's so young, uh, and, and in his his rookie deal right now. So, um, you know, they, he still has time regardless if it's not this season. Uh, I, I think it's something to uh, something to watch moving forward. Um, you know how this affects his confidence because you know it looked like it was his coming out party. It looked like he, you know, was going to be running the Spurs offense for the foreseeable future. And um, you're absolutely right. He had that swagger. He had that moxie. He was he was proving himself as a as a leader on this team. And and now that growth gets stunted and. He's he's still a child. Like I when I when I I was there on draft night, he was 19 years old, and I was like a year older than him. But I was like, that's a child. That's a child my age, uh, but a child nonetheless. And he's you know gonna be a, the Spurs point guard, and he's still a kid. But and he's polished. He's he's really talented, um, and and I think he brings a lot to the table that the other two point guards on the Spurs roster just don't. He's he's a lengthy, rangy defender on, and player on both ends of the floor. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's going to be important that this doesn't get him down. Like, you know, yes, is you want to be starting, of course. You want to be playing minutes. But you got to understand that Tony Parker has, has earned that spot. He's... You know, he he's one of one of the greatest. See, he's still one of the best point guards that's that's playing this game, and and I think you saw it in the way he set Aldridge up, not just on pick and roll stuff, but just just clearing it out and getting it to him on that spot on the low block on the left that he loves, like getting it just right. Parker is so good at the nuance of the game, and you know I think. I think DeJounte still has a lot to learn watching Parker. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I think it's uh, you know, it's it's definitely Tony's team until uh, it it isn't. Yeah, I mean <laughs> and and that's we'll an, yeah, exactly. That's an interesting question too, considering he's gonna be a free agent. This is a contract year for Parker, so you know, he may not want to take as much of a backseat uh, especially this year, he may he may want to play as much as he can just to see. I mean, not play as much, but play pretty efficient minutes because he he knows he's coming heading into the off season there as a free agent. Uh, moving on, just this isn't really a topic. This is more so some news just to, to get pro- provide for the Spurs cast audience. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is finally progressing. Um, it, before their game against the Dallas Mavericks earlier this week, Coach Popovich said uh, he's getting very close to making progress on Kawhi. He said he's having contact now. Hopefully, we'll get him back shortly. So. Uh, just your, your initial thoughts, Tom, hearing that Kawhi's basically um, starting to practice. You know, he was at the game the other night. He, uh, he shows up every now and then. And, uh, you know, so, so that we, there's actually some sort of uh, positivity coming out, out from the Spurs. This finally that he's actually, um, you know, actually playing basketball again. Yeah, I honestly I'm, I'm kind of shocked that the injury took this long to recover from. Um, you know, it's. It's it's been a while since the last time we we talked on here, but you know back then it was 
very beginning of the season, it was like, oh, he'll miss like a couple games maybe. You know, I I didn't realize that this was because it's it's so nebulous. Uh, what is it? Quad tendonitis. That that's just fancy doctor talk for his quad hurts. It's not much more specific than that. And so it was a confusing injury. It was one where there really wasn't a timetable. But um, I I don't know about you, Paul, but I really miss uh, watching Kawhi Leonard do basketball things. Yeah, no, you you can just tell, especially you know, it's it's that's not like. My, my biggest thing is, is that we're going to get to this next topic. Let's just actually go into it. So let's talk a little about Aldridge here uh, while talking about, yeah. Kawhi, about Kawhi at the same time. So um, Coach Pop basically said uh, after the, ga- the game against the Grizzlies, he's playing like an all-star. He basically is an all-star. I would agree with Coach Pop uh, right now. You know, if we, if we had to pick all-stars right now, I think Kawhi, I think Aldridge might start in the West. Or if he doesn't, he's definitely getting picked by the coaches if the fans don't vote him in. But my biggest thing still – is you know I looked at their, their 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 I wrote my 20 games piece assessment and they're still you know 15th in offense and and you want to say that they're going to get so much better which they will with Kawhi but my biggest thing still is that like how do these two guys you know mesh still when once uh, Kawhi does come back just you know you can just tell Aldridge doesn't really want to take a he knows he has to take a back seat but you know he really loves being the number one option right now he knows he everything's um you know living uh, they're living and dying depending on how how he plays night to night but you know he also has to know that that there's a better player in front of him. And, and in order to be at that level of Golden State, you have to have both you guys clicking at the same time. And that's kind of my biggest thing is, you know, I, I can't say that they're going to do it just yet because I, I got to see it. You know, I got to see both of them playing really, really high, high-level high basketball at the same time. And so far in these two years, I haven't seen it as often. What, what do you think about uh, both of these guys, you know, especially when, when Kawhi comes back? All right. So first of all, LaMarcus Aldridge is absolutely an all-star this year. Uh, and I'm going to take it a step further, um, and I'm going to say that, you know, through 20 games, um, this is the best season of his career. Um, it's his most efficient season. Um, this year, he, his effective field goal percentage is 54%. Um, last year, it was 49%. And his last year with Portland, it was 48%. Um, his, he's taking better care of the ball. Um, he's, he's just way more efficient, shooting 72% in the restricted area this year. It was 68% last year, 66% his last year in Portland. And he's putting up the, the point totals and, and the rebounds close to that last year in Portland where – after his first season with the Spurs, a lot of fans were like, this is not the LaMarcus Aldridge that we paid for. Spurs fans are getting a better version of that LaMarcus Aldridge this year. Um, and I think that that confidence is going to get him going through the rest of the season. Um, his, his signature turnaround shot, he's shooting at 54% according to NBA stats. Um, and that's a full 10 percentage points higher than it was last year. Um, and he's a shooter. He needs to see that ball go through the hoop at the beginning of games, at the beginning of the season. Um, and I think he's really getting in a groove, uh, in terms of finding his spots in the offense. Um, when Kawhi comes back, he's going to get less touches. He's going to get less shots. Um, he might get more rebounds. He might, um, shoot even more efficiently than he is because he'll get, a lot of open looks um 
because Kawhi is so good at collapsing the defense. Um, so his scoring numbers will probably dip a little bit, but I think we're seeing one of LaMarcus Aldridge's best years. No, I would agree with you, especially in, the, in that sentiment, what you just said, you provide all the stats for us, but then also his Portland teams, I don't think has ever been this good. You know, these guys, are, like you mentioned, they're on pace for 55 wins right now, the Spurs, um, you know, and that's without, without Kawhi by his side. I think, I think one thing you brought up was how he said he's going to attack the glass. I think that's something he's already started doing. On there's certain nights when they're not getting him the ball, or, or you know, teams are just double teaming him so much he just really doesn't even want it. So what he's doing is, and he's he's made this comment where he's he's gone to the board more uh, if he's not staying effective. I mean, if he's not staying, um, you know, kind of in, in the in the game on offense. So I think that's something maybe he does do a little bit more too when, when Kawhi has possessions or he's kind of. You, and you've already seen he's taking over one and a half threes per game. So now he's actually added the three point shot back to his his arsenal. Yeah. So. So when Kawhi does, you know, collapse the defense in and bring three people over to double teams, he can easily find LaMarcus. Um, you know, for me, though, I, I, I like what I'm seeing from him, but I still got to see them both on the floor together. I got to see them play. I, I really – they can go to another level here that we haven't seen these last two years, you know, if they can both be clicking at the same time. So I am I am very interested to see uh, if they both get there uh, when Kawhi does come back. One last, one last thing. Um you, you mentioned getting after the glass, specifically offensive rebounding. Uh, Aldridge is currently the uh, 13th highest scoring average in the league. Um, nobody higher than him on that list has uh, more offense, offensive rebounds per game. He's averaging 3.1 per game, which is good for eighth in the league. Here are the players ahead of him. Uh, seven, Clint Capella. Six, Alex Len. Uh, Five Dwight Howard, four Ennis Cantor, three Stephen Adams, two DeAndre Jordan, one Andre Drummond. So those are the best rebounders in the game of basketball right now. Uh, and Aldridge has just been getting after it. If he's not putting the shot up, he's trying to pull that that rebound down. Yeah, definitely. And uh, something else, like too, like how you just mentioned, was I, I had I, I wanted to see before we even record. I like to do a little bit of research, so. Uh, I wanted to see who's having a similar season to Aldridge right now. So I plugged in some of his numbers. Who's playing less than 34 minutes, uh, shooting over 50% from the floor, grabbing over eight rebounds, over two assists, less than two turnovers, over one block per game. He's the only guy who the data spit out. There's nobody else that's having uh, the kind of statistical season that he's having. He's the only guy. You see there's about five players in that range. Uh, And so he's doing it. You know, like we said, he's having a very efficient season. I I agree with you totally. So efficient. Yeah, and I and it shows in the data too in this number right here. In his 699 minutes on the floor, the Spurs are a plus 7.3 points per 100 possessions. When he goes to the bench at 309 minutes, they're a minus 4.1 points per 100 possessions. So he it's showing that this team does need him. You know, he, he really does have a huge impact on them winning ball games uh, and him being a go-to option right now uh, with Kawhi Leonard out. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, Spurs Cast listeners, uh, Tom and I are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with your Spurs Cast for Spurs Cast Twitter questions. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. 
You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Okay, Tom Petrini and I are back. Please make sure to follow him on Twitter, at RealTomPetrini. So now, SpursCast listeners, uh, Tom and I, we, you all asked us some questions through Twitter through the, using the hashtag SpursCast. Thank you for doing that. I'm going to read your, your SpursCast handle, and I will um, ask the questions. Tom will respond first, and I'll give my response as well. Uh, our first question, Tom, comes from at frames from Mac. They ask, how many minutes do you think Tony is going to have? How is this going to affect DeJounte's minutes? Now, we've kind of already talked about DeJounte, so we don't really have to answer that Answer that one. But uh, let me just give you some data real quick before you answer that. So, Parker, um, last season he played 25.2 minutes per game. Uh, what, do you, what, do you think, what do you think his minutes are going to be like this year? I'm going to say 23, 20, 22, 23 minutes. Okay, uh, I'm going to take the cop out answer. I'm just going to say 24 because he said that the other night. <laughs> that's that's kind of a pop, okay. that's kind of what pops giving him when he's healthy is uh, 24 minutes. And, and I think we both agree that he's going to get some back to back nights off, like kind of like what they're doing with Manu right now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So okay, so that, that answers that one. Uh, next question again about Tony Parker, basically uh, at the Mick Martin 42 asks, uh, with Tony Parker back, do you believe Dejounte's minutes will return to what they were last season? So Murray played uh, 8.4 minutes last season. This season he's playing 19.6, but obviously we've seen that he's he's taking a dip here. So do you think they're going to come back to that? I think it's it's going to be closer. We're going to see uh, Popovich trust him a little more in those situations when he when he is on the floor. It's not just going to be. Um, we're we're already seeing him be used more than he was last year. He wasn't starting fourth quarters last year. Um, he he was primarily a mop unit guy and so um if if the minutes stay the same we're just going to see more responsibility but i would i would expect the minutes to go up a little bit as well okay and and so that yeah so 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 both tom and i i agree with that with that one right there um with with, with dj's minutes uh yeah for for me too it's going to be more so like when Parker's out or, you know, if they have a big lead, he might not, he might just rest Parker to start a fourth quarter, something like that in those scenarios. Um, at Insomniac Games asks, um, Insomniac underscore game, sorry there. What happened to Danny's three-point shooting? He's had a major drop-off since the 2015 season. So what, what they're asking here is I think it's the 40% range. You know, before 2015, uh, that season, uh, Danny was shooting 43.6%. And uh, before that, like his last five seasons, he had shot over 40%. Ever since then, he's been shooting um, below below uh, uh, 40%. So what do you think, Tom, with Danny Green's three-point shooting? Um, I'm not super concerned about it. I think, you know, we, we had the LASIK surgery. Th- was that last year? The LASIK surgery? Oh, that's a good question. I think it was two years ago, or, or maybe it was last year. Yeah, I I don't remember, but you know that obviously was a was a factor. But yeah, I, I think that you know when you look at Danny Green, yeah, his his twenty fifteen sixteen season was off. He he had like he shot thirty three percent, and then thirty eight percent last year, thirty eight percent this year. Um, I don't think it's a super significant drop-off. I think part of it 
um, is just the the attempts were were pretty high, and he was getting you know pretty pretty tough looks a lot of the time. Um, you know, he's kind of the if, if they need a bailout three, he's the one they go to. Um, I I don't know. I I think he's it's above league average what he's shooting now, mm-hmm. and he's also he's also added so much to his offensive game um, in terms of being able to put the ball on the floor. Like I every every year that I've watched the Spurs, when Danny Green has tried to dribble towards the basket, it, my my heart rate picks up. Like it's it's a nervous experience for a lot of people home but this year i don't i don't feel that anymore i feel i feel actually somewhat calm when he attempts a finger roll because a lot of the time it's going in so i think while the three-point shooting numbers have dropped off slightly um he more than makes up for it with the additions in his game that that make him a much more dynamic scoring threat yeah, and for, for me, it's more so about their offensive philosophy. You know, that, that last year where they were playing that, that you know, motion-heavy type of Spurs, the offense was that the year they lost to the Clippers, which, you know, Tim Duncan's uh, right, right before the year he retired. Yeah. So then the yeah, following season – Yeah, and then – so then the following season, they, they you know, they signed Aldridge, and, and then also Kawhi makes this ascension where he's more of like – I don't want to call him an ISO player, but, you know, he's, he's close to like a Kobe Bryant type of skill set in his prime kind of guy where yeah. he needs the ball a little bit. He's such an efficient scorer. So – I feel like they haven't ran Danny. They, they don't run any more Danny as, off as much screen action anymore. He's not constantly having the ball in his hands in like a motion type offense, uh, kind of like what the Warriors run right now. And so because Kawhi and Lamarcus are so usage heavy kind of players, you know, Lamarcus the low block, Kawhi, you know, running pick and rolls, getting players in the low block, taking guys one on one, it gets harder for you to get get a rhythm because you don't have the ball in your hands as much. Uh, you're, you're not constantly in that rhythm coming off screens. So I think that's a big product of it. But like we both mentioned. Even though he's he's had a little bit of a slump here in these last three years, um, these last two years he's been above league average, and that's what you want from a guy who's not getting the ball constantly. And he more than makes up for it when he's playing elite level defense on the other end. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. He thrived in that uh, motion offense that the Spurs have become synonymous with, and it's funny now because like that is not at all the style of play that they mm-hmm. you know employ today. Like I. I will watch the uh, you know beautiful game tribute on YouTube at least once a week to keep morale up, and like it's it's almost unrecognizable from the style of play that we see from them today, especially with the Aldridge heavy offense, which I think has been effective in just you know dumping it to him in the post, letting him dribble, draw a double team, take it out, work it around, get an open shot. That's nice, um, and letting him go to work, but. And and when Kawhi is on the floor, you're right. It's like watching Kobe Bryant. It's like prime Kobe. And you know, there's a lot of standing around by the other guys, because um, because there's nothing else to do really. You 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 watch the guy you get out of the way. You let one of the most dominant scorers in the game go to work. I'm not saying the Spurs shouldn't do that. It just makes it tougher for a guy like Danny Green to get open looks than the you know completely selfless beautiful game spurs it's it's completely different yeah so so both tom and i agree here that that danny's shooting not slump we wouldn't call it a slump he's just his percentage going down is just again he's over league average that's what you want from a three-point shooter right now in, in, in the nba so he's still doing that part of his job but a lot of it's more the spurs offensive philosophy that they're using these days um our next question comes from at clifford sound they ask 
Do you feel that any moves need to be made before the All-Star break? If so, what are your wants? So, um, Tom, so do you think – okay, first let's do this. Let's just do take two, two takes here. One is do you think they actually need to make a move? And then two is if they did – if you thought they should make a move or like even if just for fun, what trade do you think they should, they should go, go for? Go ahead. All right. So I don't think they need to make a move. I think they will be – they're just fine now, and they will be more than just fine when Kawhi gets back. Um, if they did make a move, just because I live for petty drama and <laughs> and all all of that stuff, I I love to just watch it all burn. Um, here here's what I'm gonna throw out there into the universe, see if it sticks. Um, do you want to pay Pau Gasol 16 million dollars every year for the next three years? Because I don't particularly like that contract for the Spurs. Um, I would trade uh, him and a couple of prospects, whichever ones they want, to the Memphis Grizzlies for for his brother Marc Gasol. Uh, and I think everybody wins there. Because um, Powell gets to go back to where he started his career. Uh, he gets to be the grizzled veteran that ah, no pun intended that gets the young guys all whipped into shape and, and playing well uh marcus Saul is having problems in that locker room clearly boiled over with fisdale getting fired um i think it doesn't make sense for him to spend his prime on a team that's rebuilding um i think you know, throw because uh, Pau Gasol's contract is sixteen million for uh, every year for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marks is about twenty and a half. Um, so you would throw in give give him uh, the Latvian Kevin Durant. <laughs> give him give him uh, maybe maybe the walking bucket. Maybe uh, maybe Derek White. Maybe Kyle Anderson. Maybe all four. You know how we always talk about how, like, if the if the summer league Spurs had a team, they would be pretty competitive. Yeah. I say let it happen. Give yeah. them all to Memphis. Take Marcus All. Have the best three, four, five in the league. That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, I, if I if I was in San Antonio shoes, I would obviously do that that trade instantly. I don't think Memphis would do it just because of Powell's long term deal. Uh, I think if you're trading Mark, you want to get rid of him so that you can open up cap space for the future or just to invest in your future. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's a fun trade right there. Um, and and if it did happen, it wouldn't happen until after I think December fifteenth, which is when Powell would be eligible right, to yeah. get traded. Um, okay, so. In, in my response here, uh, I, I'm going to say no. Uh, I still need to see San Antonio versus Golden State, a full seven games, completely healthy. You know, you saw. I, I, yeah. I'm still of the opinion where I still think had Kawhi Leonard been healthy, I don't think the Spurs would have won. But I think it would have been a very competitive series, maybe gone six or seven for sure. And you know, we never know. They were up 25 when this before this guy got hurt, and I want to see that series play out. So, so right now, I think the Spurs are fine as long as they're healthy. Um, heading into the playoffs again this year, they should get another crack at Golden State and then uh, at Houston as well. Um, now, for my fake trade, though, not fake trade, it, it would be legit if it really happened because uh, the, the numbers work, is I, I would look at Paul George. You know, right now, OKC is kind of in a rut right now. It looks like they're not they're not figuring things out. They're on the wrong track after 20 games. 
And they know that if they don't get it together, they're gonna, they, there's a very good chance they're going to lose him. He's kind of been open about going to the Lakers. So if I had to get Paul George and I'm the Spurs, here's the guys I would have to move to get him, which, which obviously I, this is why I don't think San Antonio would do it. You'd have to get rid of Danny Green, Kyle Anderson, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, and Davis Bertans. What do you what do you think about no. that? No. Yeah, it's a no. No. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> no deal. I mean. Yeah, no. I, I mean, if anyone out of that, um, you know, OKC3, I think uh, George would be the best fit in San Antonio. Uh, it would be really cute to have Kawhi Leonard and his son on the same team. It would be like a Ken Griffey Jr. senior thing. Um <laughs> But no, I don't. I don't endorse that. Yeah, so, so, I mean, long term, San Antonio never do that just because you're losing prospects in Murray and White, your future Bertans. Uh, so yeah, so right. obviously, we, Tom and I both think that if the Spurs are healthy, they have a very good chance of uh, really, really giving Golden State a matchup there uh, in April and May. Our, our our next Twitter question comes from at Eric B nineteen eighty. He says, uh, "Do you all like me believe Brandon Paul should be playing ahead of Brent Forbes in the rotation? In my opinion, his defense." Size, athleticism, and underrated shooting dwarf Forbes's singularity and just scoring. What do you think about that, Tom? Ooh, I think we should get this guy on as a writer. I like his uh, verbiage there. That was that was well done, well played. Uh, and I I tend to agree because um, you know I think situationally uh, the. It, it's a it's a good thing to have both a guy who is a walking bucket and a guy who can come in and play tough defense on the other team's best ball handler um, and the thing that would that that makes me say Paul should get more minutes than he has and I don't really understand why he hasn't is because um, he has, a really sweet stroke from three point range. Um, he's, he's been very consistent hitting that open shot. And while he doesn't have the ability to create his own shot quite like Forbes does, he's been very consistent hitting that three point shot. Let me, let me pull up his stats here. See, cause, cause it, there, there was a certain point in the season where he was hitting, you know, an unsustainable clip, like 60%. Um, and just ridiculous and playing excellent defense and dunking the ball and having awesome hair. So, um, I would like to see more of Brandon Paul. Yeah. He has a versatile hair. He can go the braids or he can go the, the, the like, like the hair outs kind of. Yeah. Position. He can puff it out like the Duke starting five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so my response to this is, uh, I think you, you made the right word there. I mean, you used the right word there. You said situational. I think that's kind of where they're at right now. Because in the beginning of the season, he was actually getting more minutes than Forbes. Um, Pop was really trusting him. There was one game, it was it was at home in San Antonio, where he had like two crazy passes where he was like went behind his back, then he like threw like a tried to be like like a no look bounce pass, and ever since then Pop like chewed him out, and I haven't seen him get those minutes since then. But I, I don't think that's fully it. I think it comes down to situation. Right now they're in a, they're in a, they're in a, they're at a time without Kawhi here where they're struggling offensively, and they just need scoring off the bench. And right now. Uh, Pop just needs uh, he, he wants Brent Forbes. It's almost like it's Gary Neal from a few years ago. That's that's what I, I'm trying to compare him to a little bit. Forbes right now at this point, um, you know he, he actually uh, gave Forbes praise as of last night. Uh, 
you know, when they beat the, 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 the Grizzlies, he said, he said, if Brent does not shoot the ball, I'm pulling him out of the game. He knows that's his job. If he's open, he better shoot it. If not him, taking him out. So I think right now where the Spurs are at, they're in a place right now where, where they need his scoring and they just need another shooter despite, you know, the, the, the defense that they're giving up on the opposite end. But one key thing I saw yesterday, uh, you know, against the Grizzlies was in the fourth quarter, like five minutes left, Pop actually put Brandon Paul in there just to guard Tyreek Evans. So if it's a playoff series, I don't think either of them are playing heavy minutes either way. You know, they're gonna, Pop's going to shrink the rotation down. Um, it's going to be mainly Kawhi, Rudy Gay, Kyle Anderson, Danny Green kind of guys, Manu Parker kind of guys that are getting the minutes at the wing. But... If there's a certain matchup that you really you want, know, you want to put, you want to give some minutes on somebody to guard James Harden or Russell Westbrook, then I think Brandon Paul is going to be that guy down the road that they're going to kind of give some of those minutes to. And, and like like you mentioned, I think it's just situational. What do they need? Do they need a good defender right now? They'll put in Brandon Paul. Do they need some scoring off the bench? They'll put in Brent Forrest. So I don't think either of them is going to have um, a consistent role in the playoffs. But I think for now, Brent will. For what it looks like from Pop, Brent's going to be the guy who gets that that those minutes right now at the backup two behind Manu. And I think I think it's a little it's a little bit of a disparity because last five games, uh, Bryn is averaging eighteen minutes, Brandon Paul is averaging five, and I think we could see closer to like, you know, maybe maybe twelve and, and eight, you know, mm-hmm. so something something in the middle where both of those guys get a chance to. You know, have meaningful NBA experience, um, which is you know really important for developing these guys. Yeah, and and you know, yeah, that, no, that, that's a good point as well. And, and it just comes down to you know what do they need at the time, and, and that's kind of where, where I'm at with that with that question. So we'll see. You know, it, it depends too on yeah. pop. You know, who just want to play at, at those particular moments. Our last question comes from at Lecter underscore Furioso. Furioso. Okay. Anyway, um, he hey. says, uh, see, seeing his numbers, is the new LaMarcus-centered offense actually making the team better offensively? Now, I'll just give you this. Statistically, it's not. Uh, their Spurs are only scoring 105 um, points per winner possessions, which is ranked 15th in the league, which is a league average offense. But, Tom, you said you had a, you had a counter to this. Well, I mean, I, I think, no, the, the offense is not better. The offense mm-hmm. is always going to be better with Kawhi Leonard doing his thing. But uh, what we have seen uh, with the offense with Lamarcus is something that I hope the Spurs employ more when Kawhi returns. And that's, um, you know, using Lamarcus Aldridge to his full potential. Um, It's not going to be, they're not going to use him as much when, when Kawhi gets back. But Lamarcus Aldridge is one of the elite post scores in the NBA. And when you get the ball to him on the low block, it either gives him a good scoring opportunity or draws a double team and creates an open shot for somebody else. And the Spurs, he's done a really good job of kicking the ball out. Uh, the Spurs have done a good job of feeding him in the post, spreading the floor around him. Um, and, just imagine how much more effective that style of attack is going to be when you replace Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be dramatic. You're going to, I mean, yeah, we're, I guess we're we're all going to see it. Um, and, and you know, just like you said, you know, statistically, it's not a better offense, but 
they I think that the best thing for them, like you mentioned, is they figure out an identity, how to how to make alters their go-to guy on certain possessions, or or you know, it's in, in, this, in the case where Kawhi gets gets a break or he or they're double teamed too much, now you can go to Lamarcus as your number two guy and kind of work a, a, some sort of balance out that way as well. So it becomes tougher to guard them in the long run, uh, San Antonio. Okay, the last segment of our yeah, first I think, I think the ball movement has had to be better. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. It's I, I right. just wanted to say that the, the ball movement has had to be better without Kawhi. The offensive has had to be crisper because you can't just give it to Kawhi and watch him get a bucket. No, for sure. And, and they're actually doing that when you look at their um, – one, their turnovers are down outside of their losses. And uh, their assists are – you know, I think they were like seventh in the league in assists. They're, they're, they're assisting on 60% of their made baskets. So he's got a really good feel of when I get double team, I feel it coming. I know how to kick it out. And everybody swings the ball around. And either guys attack on the closeout or they uh, they shoot the open shot. So, so that's going to be something that, that they're definitely going to need uh, when Kawhi gets back to keep that up. Uh, the last segment of our Spurs cast, we're going to go ahead and preview their next four games before I will record Spurs cast episode 473 uh, next, probably next Thursday. So, uh, Tom, the first game is at Memphis Friday. You know, the Spurs just beat the Grizzlies, like, like we mentioned to start the show. Uh, the Grizzlies are 7-13 right now. They're 12th in the West. They've lost nine games in a row. They're 1-9 in the last 10 games. Offensively, this is their, their biggest issue. They're, they're only scoring 102.1 points per 100 possessions, 23rd. Uh, defensively, they're holding teams to 103.6. Points per 100 possessions, which is 11th. Uh, they're missing Mike Conley, Chandler Parsons, uh, uh, five guys really on their team. Uh, who do you think wins that game between San Antonio and Memphis? I mean, it's a trap game. Uh, wounded animal. Spurs just beat them. They are, uh, you know, they've, they've lost nine straight, right? Um, mm-hmm. And have had their their coach, who a lot of the players loved, fired. We all remember, you know, take that for data, mm-hmm. an all-time coaching rant on the behalf of his players. That was awesome. Uh, I think Fisdale really got thrown under the bus on that one. But, um, you know, it's a, a, a team like that is a dangerous team to play. Um, and so I think the Spurs will win that game, but the Grizzlies are going to come out and, and try to win and give their best punch. Like they, it wouldn't surprise me if they led for large chunks of this game, but I think the Spurs just have too much firepower. Okay. So, so you have a win as well. So, so you and I both have wins uh, at Memphis. Then uh, they're, they're off on Saturday, the Spurs, then they go play at OKC for the first time this season in, in Oklahoma, should I say um, on Sunday, uh, the Thunder are eight and 12, 10th in the West. They're four and six in their last 10 uh, offensively, this is their biggest issue. They're they're only scoring 102.6 points per 100 possessions. Uh, they're like they're they're number one in isolations, uh, according to the data. Defensively, though, they're pretty good. They're they're holding teams to 100.2 points per 100 possessions, which is third. Um, they were up on San Antonio by 23 points recently, but then the Spurs, you know, did come back, and that's kind of been OKC's biggest problem is that they just can't hold leads against teams. So, what do you think happens uh, that game uh, against OKC? Yeah, I I think that it's going to be very easy for the Spurs to defend this Oklahoma City attack. And that sounds um, weird to say, considering they've got, you know, Mello, Russ, and and Paul George, but we haven't seen them work together well this year. Russell Westbrook, last night he went off. He had 19 points in the fourth quarter, shot it was like five of seven from three. He was incredible. He was absolutely amazing. And they lost that game. 
they went into the fourth quarter down seven and they lost by like 13 and yeah. it, it's really and their best their best player scored 19 played amazing um so i i think okc still has a lot to figure it out and i i, I just don't see them figuring out against the spurs okay so you have san antonio now yeah okay so i have the spurs as well uh I was kind of t- that one was a little tough to call, but I'm gonna go ahead and call that one uh, for the Spurs as well. So now um, then the Spurs have a, this is a back to back now. The next night they travel back to San Antonio and they play Detroit, uh, the Pistons. They the Pistons are doing very well this season. They're 14 and six, second in the Eastern Conference, right behind Boston. They are seven and three in their last ten games. Uh, they have a top ten offense. They're ranked seventh, 106.8 points per 100 possessions. Defensively, they're 12th, so, so they're better than league average, 103.7 points per 100 possessions. Who do you think wins this game Monday night in San Antonio? I think this is a game that the Spurs are going to struggle in. Um, second night of a back-to-back, so we might see some key, some players resting. Manu, maybe Tony. Um, and Drummond is a problem. That guy, I think it's similar to what we saw against the Pelicans. The Spurs just don't have anybody that can bang with him. And um, second night of a back-to-back with travel uh, in a tough matchup against a good team. It's easy to, to overlook Detroit because they're Detroit and they haven't been anything to write home about since, like, Mouse at the Palace. Uh, but, like, which was, like, 14 years ago this week. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think Detroit wins this game. Okay, I, I totally agree with you as well. Um, you know, for, for for a few reasons here, uh, I think that that Detroit. One of the things the Spurs have had trouble with is, is um, teams that kind of can keep scoring at a pretty high rate, but then also you know that are pretty pretty good defensive. And I just think of some of their defenders. You know, they got Avery Bradley out there. Uh, Tobias Harris is having a really good mm-hmm. season. He's he's really long. They have they have different guys coming off the bench. They have uh, Stanley Johnson. Uh, you know, and so they just have a better team feel. You know, you mentioned it. Drummond's been a beast this season. Start the year 14 and 15 nightly um, on, on the glass, especially. So I think that's a loss for San Antonio as well. Then the Spurs have Tuesday off, and then they host the Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat are 10 and 11 this season, 10th in the Eastern Conference. They are 5 and 5 in the last 10 games. Uh, offensively, they have their issues. They're, they're only scoring 100.6 points per 100 possessions, which is 26 in the league. Uh, defensively, they're they're holding teams to 103.9 points per 100 possessions, which is 13th in the league. Uh, who do you have in that one? Um, Spurs already played Miami this year, right? And they lost? No, they beat them. They beat them. Uh, and Aldridge had a very good game. I think he had like over 30 that night. Okay. Either way, uh, Spurs, I think, are going to win that game by a pretty substantial margin, say 20-plus. Okay, yeah, I agree with you too. I think let me see here. I had, actually I put up just real quick against Miami. Yeah, they were up by twenty against Miami last time, and this was in Miami. And Aldridge had thirty one that night, so I have a win as well for San Antonio. So, so Spurs cast listeners, Tom and I both uh, predict that by next Thursday, their Spurs should, should have gone three and one in, the, in these games, so they should have a record of seventeen and eight. Uh, we'll see if you know if we're both if we're both correct here. We both have the losses at Detroit I mean, against Detroit uh, next, on coming Monday. Uh, so so that'll be something to watch. Um, thank you, Tom, for coming on SpursCast, episode 472. SpursCast listeners, please make sure to follow him at Real Tom Petrini. Uh, what, do you, what do you have going on coming up uh, pretty soon with, with the Spurs, Tom? Uh, so I'm currently writing uh, 
LaMarcus All-Star about how this really is, uh, I, I think, his best season to date. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this team plays with Kawhi Leonard back. It might be, you know, a little awkward reintegrating him. Uh, and, you know, he'll probably just drop 40 the first night and be like, <laughs> wow, Tom, you're an idiot. Um, but it's... I'm just so excited to watch Kawhi Leonard do basketball things, Paul. I, I missed it. It's it's a medicine in my life. It's something I need to get through the, the day, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to have my medicine soon. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Like you mentioned earlier when you asked me that, like, you know, how does it feel not to have seen him in a long time? I'm like, man, I just forgot, you know, how he plays. It's been that long. Like, it's been since the Warriors series. Um, Spurs cast listeners, also make sure you go read Tom's uh, uh, more, more former piece. Uh, he, he wrote a piece called Leonard's Return Will Bring Spurs uh, – um, from good to great uh he just he just released that um on november 16th so make sure you check that out uh it's a really good piece and then, like, like you mentioned he's writing a piece about um aldridge um possibly making the all-star team here all right tom uh, ha- have a good night man Th- thanks again for coming on spurs cast episode 472 thanks paul anytime right. have a good one Thank you again to Tom for coming on Spurs Cast episode 472. If you're on Twitter, please follow him on Twitter at Real Tom Petrini. Uh, just again, uh, just a few more um, announcements. Please make sure to uh, send us, keep sending us hash, uh, questions using the hashtag SpursCast. Uh, those are always awesome when you all send them to us. But whoever I have on the, on the as a guest for that week, uh, we, we definitely enjoy talking uh, with those different topics. And it's not just like the set topics that, that we have to create. It's fun to get in some of those um, different uh, types of avenues of topics that you all um, bring forth uh, with your questions. Uh, if you're on Twitter, please follow at Project Spurs, at ATLeague underscore NBA at the Spurs cast and at Project Spurs Network. Online, please visit ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, SpursOn6.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And lastly, of course, um, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. We'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day.